You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. We have been going through the book of Ephesians. If you've not, if this is your first week, this is what we've been doing. We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we've made it to chapter 5. This is a chapter that when we knew that we were going to be working on, working through the book of Ephesians months ago, I began praying for this week. This week is a message, uh, is a text that we're going to hit on that is going to maybe ruffle some feathers, that it is full of all kinds of landmines, and we're about to light them all off, right? And so it's a, a week that we're looking at marriages, we're looking at um, God's word, that, and how he describes how marriage is to be set up. Uh, a week where we're looking at relationships with parents and children, a week that we're looking at uh, relationships in your, in your work, and, and so we're going be diving into this. Uh, my hope, we were actually planning, Sarah was going to be up here and give this message with me. So that way, at least if uh, you were upset, you're upset at both of us, um, and not just me, but um, she's not feeling well. And so uh, we're just going to dive into what God has to say. And so we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or your journals, go ahead and open it to there. But first, I want to look at something that we have to understand as a basics of our relationship with Jesus Christ before we can dive into our relationship with other people, right? There's two fundamental parts that we need to look at at our relationship with Jesus. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He is writing to believers. He is writing to people that are Christians, that believe that Jesus died for their sins and that he rose again and that they're giving their life to follow him. And so when we look at the book of Ephesians, it is written to believers, and so, what does that look like? We first need to see the relationship of Jesus with us is that Jesus sacrificially died for us. That he gave up himself, that he was a sacrifice for us. There's multiple verses I, I could have shared. I have a few here, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ephesians 5, 2, which Elliot just touched on last week, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live it for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Jesus died for us. He was a sacrifice for us. He sacrificially gave of himself. So we have to fully grasp that and believe that in order for Ephesians 5 to sink in, for us to be able to follow what Paul is telling, calling us to do in, in that chapter. We have to fully grasp what Jesus has already done. Then the second part, the, the foundation that we need to look at is our relationship with Jesus, is that we are to follow him. That we are to submit and follow him. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says about Jesus, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he, he might have the supremacy. That he is our leader, that we are supposed to submit and follow him. 
So we begin, is this our relationship with Jesus? This is the, the first question that I have for you. And I got a lot of questions for you this morning. But the first one is, what, how is your walk with Jesus? Do we fully understand and believe that he sacrificially died for us? And are we fully willing to submit to him, to follow his commands, to follow what he has written in his word? And so that begins this conversation in Ephesians 5. Because we have to have a right relationship with God because that's where this entire next section all trickles down from our relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus will impact our marriages, will impact our parenting, will impact our relationship with our parents, will impact our relationship as employees and employers. Everything that we're about to see is impacted first and foremost by our walk with Christ. So that's where we need to start is are we willing to fully submit to Jesus who gave up his life sacrificially for us? We're getting into a passage here today that, that some people are going to be familiar with and some people this might come as a shock. We're going to have a passage that some of you maybe have been waiting for for this week, right? That we're talking about the husbands and wives and you've been just waiting for your spouse to get here to nudge, their, nudge them with your elbow and be like, hey, you've got to stay awake this time. And that you're hoping that they'll listen. And I, if that's the case, I want to share this with you. Matthew chapter 7 Verses three through five. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brothers, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. So with that said, we dive into this passage. With that said, this isn't about nudging your spouse and hoping that they're listening to what Paul has to say. This is what is, what is God having to say to you. The Holy Spirit will convict them on their own. This isn't about you're nudging them and making sure that they're paying attention. This is about the Holy Spirit convicting you, convicting me, having us step up to be the role that God has designed for us. And so, if you will pray with me as we go into this. Lord, let these words be your words. God, as we see what you have to say for us in our work, in our homes, in our marriages, God, let this be a message to each one of us. In your name, amen. It begins Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's this idea of in all things do as if working for the Lord, that we're supposed to submit and have this relationship. This whole section that we're going to be looking at is relationships, marriage relationships, work relationships, school relationships. Even if you're not married, even if you're not even thinking about getting married, this passage is going to be directed to you because we're supposed to submit out of reverence for Christ. This is that we're supposed to do all things as if working for the Lord. This is our focal point. As we said, our relationship with Jesus is going to impact everything that we're going to unfold this morning. So at a reference to Christ, we need to do this. We, Paul's about to step into to marriage here. 1 Corinthians 11, 11, I want to share this. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. In a marriage, we are meant to be, husband and wives are meant to be interdependent. 
that they are meant to work together, that they're supposed to be complementary in each other, and that this is supposed to come together as this beautiful thing that we're about to see that Paul describes, that Jesus describes, that the Bible describes, that it's like Christ and the church coming together, caring for one another, loving each other. And so this is what we're going to look at in the marriage. And so Paul begins with submit to one another out of reference for Christ. And then we get into the roles. Paul says in verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now first, note that this says, wives submit to your husbands. Not all women submit to all men. This is not that men are, are better or that there's this hierarchy in no way. In fact, Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the case that we are all equal. These words would have been revolutionary at this time. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles. The Gentiles looked down on the Jews. Men looked down on women. For him to say that they're all equal would have been huge. There is great freedom in the Bible. And freedom and equality. That men and women, Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, they are all one in Christ Jesus because they've all been saved. They are all free. They are all, all of our sins are taken away as Jesus took them on the cross. We are all created in God's image. We are all the image bearer of God. However, as we're about to see, different groups play different roles, complementary roles. And so this is what Paul is diving us into today. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. We don't often like the idea of submit, right? Whenever I do premarital counseling, we get to this passage, and, and this is a hard one, because our culture has this idea of submitting as a weakness, that submitting is something that's forced upon you, that, that you have no, no choice in the matter, but that you are forced to submit. But this is not the biblical view here of submit, submission. Paul is calling the wives to submit. It means that they have a choice. He's calling them to willfully choose to submit to their husbands. That they're willing to set themselves aside and submit to what their husband is leading. To, to, to follow him and follow where he's guiding. Now we're going to get into the roles of the men here in a little bit. And I want to tell you that there's some harsh words to the men that we're about to get into. But for the wives to submit, it becomes a whole lot easier to willfully make that choice. When the men are stepping up and being the men that God has called them to be. But this is what Paul is saying to the wives. Wives, choose to submit to your husband. It continues on, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, sub should submit to their husbands in everything. Right? We don't like this idea of, this, of a wife having to submit. And part of that is because so many men have taken this out of context and, and forced it upon their wives and said, hey, you have to submit to me. The Bible says that if your husband is doing that, he's taking the text and he is using it poorly. He is using it as a weapon and that's not what it's meant to be. This is meant to be for the wives to submit because they're choosing to because the husband is living and leading in such a manner that they are following God that you would want to follow him. And so we've been called to this blueprint of marriage. This is how Paul has it lined out. This is how God has this marriage lined out is this blueprint. And God knows best. Even if we want to say, well, I'm not comfortable with this. This is God's plan. 
And oftentimes we're uncomfortable with this idea because we pull this one verse out without seeing all the verses that are about to come to see the roles of the men, to see what they're called to do and, and the weight and the heaviness that the men have in this passage. This is, if the men would step up and do this, then the women will step up and do the, the submitting as well. Also, we miss that in the Bible, there's this beautiful, all the texts about marriage is a beautiful example of a relationship that we're to have. This beautiful relationship of a partnership and of an intimate relationship of a deep, mutually gratifying friendship, not a dictatorship. This idea that our marriage is supposed to be like Christ in the church. Think about what Jesus was willing to do for the church, to die for them. And what the church is willing to do for Christ, to follow him and love him. This is what a biblical marriage is made up to be. Now, I have to have that disclaimer that if you're in a marriage where this is not a biblical situation, when there's abuse, there's physical, emotional, mental abuse, if there, are, if there are issues like that, this is a whole different topic that we need to address separately. And I'd love to be able to speak with you and, and be able to work through that with you and talk about that differently. But this is in the context of he's writing to the church in Ephesus of Christians that are striving to be as if in, in reverence of Christ, submitting to one another in reverence of Christ, so willing to follow and live in a marriage that is reflecting to God. And so that is what I hope that we are all striving to do, those that are in marriages in this room. And so... This is the call to the wives. Submit to your husband. There's another passage that I'll often uh, address when, we're, when I'm doing premarital counseling and when we get to this section. And it's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. God has created all the animals. He's created the world. He's created everything. He's created man. And he says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So he makes Eve. He makes this helper. Now, even that word, we sometimes be like, I don't want to be the helper. That sounds like a sidekick. I don't want to be Robin to Batman. I don't want to be this helper. But the helper is a, is a person of great worth. As we see in the scripture, you're about to see, this is a beautiful thing, wives. This is a beautiful thing, ladies. To be a helper, this is a title that God calls himself. The Psalm 54.4 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. And Jesus, when he's talking about that he must leave this world so the Holy Spirit can come, in John chapter 14, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he will, may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Talking about the Holy Spirit is our helper. How beautiful is that, ladies? That you are called to something that is what the Holy Spirit does in our Christian walk. That I have the Holy Spirit in me, that you have the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus sent the, the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And what does the Holy Spirit do? It does so many things. It guides us and encourages us. It convicts us. It prays for us. It rejoices with us. This is the role of the helper in our spiritual walk. And so, ladies, are you willing to step up to be that role in a marriage? To live as the Holy Spirit does for us in our spiritual walk. Are you willing to encourage your husband? Are you willing to speak truth and convict your husband? Some people are like, yeah, I'll take that one. Are you willing to rejoice with your husband? Are you willing to pray for him on, on his behalf? Are you willing to be his helper? 
this very amazing, worthwhile thing that the Holy Spirit is in our daily walk is what the wives are called to be in this marriage, in this blueprint of a marriage. Now, men, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives. That one sounds easy, right? I can do that. That's no big deal. No, no. Look at that. Look at that verse. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus Christ, who had no sins, was willing to take on the punishment of all mankind. Upon himself, die on a cross. He was willing to willfully submit himself to do that because he loved mankind that much. Because he loved you and me that much. He was willing to take on our sins. He didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything to earn it. He didn't do anything to earn our sins. He didn't commit any sins. And yet he took our sins upon himself. That's how much he loves us. This is what we're called to as husbands. This is a big deal. This is a heavy deal. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our role in our marriage. It's not to be served. It's not to say, submit to me. You have to do this. No, no. It's for us. We are here to serve our wives, to care for them, to love them in the self-sacrificing way that Jesus did. Paul continues on. Here's the reason that we're supposed to love her in this way. To make her, in verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What's that saying? Is that husbands, you are meant to be the spiritual leader of your home and to lead your wives and your kids. This is the purpose of our self-sacrificing. This is the purpose that God has put husbands as the head of the family. There's a reason. It's not because we're smarter, stronger, or wiser, because that's probably not the case. It is because we have the responsibility to be the spiritual leaders and to lead them. And we will be held accountable for that. This passage speaks volumes. And I truly believe that one day I will be held accountable that I'll be in heaven before Jesus and Jesus will say, I gave you Sarah and I gave you Abigail and Isaiah and Henry and Zinni, my four kids. And Jesus will say, what did you do to bring them closer to me? You are held accountable for their spiritual walk. I will be held accountable. And men, you will be held accountable as well. This passage is very clear that this is why we are set to be the head of the family. It's because we are supposed to lead them closer to Christ. It all begins with this relationship with Jesus. And if we don't have that relationship with Jesus, how is anyone else that follows us to have that relationship? Are you setting an example in your home of what it looks like to lead your family to Jesus. And some of you might be like, you know what, Matt, I didn't have that example growing up. I didn't have a strong spiritual fa uh, father that was strong spiritually. I get that. But you have the Bible now. You have Jesus as the example. We're not striving to follow the example of your dad. We're striving to follow the example of Christ. And that looks like a self-sacrificing, loving father and husband. It's not me on a soapbox yelling at the men. This is the word speaking and yelling at me and at you. That we are held accountable 
That as I look back at this week, were there moments that I didn't point them to God? Was there moments that I, was, that I failed in this? Is there moments that I could have grown? Men, are you living a self-sacrificing way as Jesus Christ did? So I ask you these questions. If we're to live as Jesus Christ, if we're to love the way Jesus loved the church, look at the things that Jesus did. He was willing to forgive. Are you willing to forgive your wife? Time and time and time again. He was willing to put others' needs first. Are you willing to put the needs of your wife before your own? He was willing to do anything for the church. Are you willing to do the same for your wife? Jesus was willing to listen. He was there for people emotionally. Are you there for your wife emotionally? He was willing to pray for others. Are you praying for your wife? Are you praying on a daily, regular basis for her? Are you leading your home closer to God? Verse 28 says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. This idea that, we're, that I have an intimate knowledge of myself is this relationship that I should have with my wife as well. That I should know everything about her. That I should hurt when she hurts. That I should rejoice when she rejoices. Are you emotionally connected to your wife? So often for guys, it's easy to say, oh, I look at the facts and I'm not looking at emotions. It's not what our wives need. They need us to connect on the emotional level as well. Paul continues on and shares, After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He calls back to this original marriage in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve when the two would leave and they become one flesh. This is our example for our marriage, that we are to be one and that we are to fight for this marriage. Marriage is hard. I know it. Sarah really knows it. You guys might know it. But marriage is hard. And you have to fight for it. To, to pursue this, this reunion, this relationship. For, to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation and unity. To walk with God. To submit to one another in reverence of Christ. Paul continues on, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul brings us all back to Christ and the church. As Jeffrey Bromley says, as God made man in his own image, so he made earthly marriage in the image of his own eternal marriage with his people. That our marriage here on earth should reflect, should be made in the image of the marriage between Christ and the church. So the passage continues. This all stems from our relationship with Jesus. And so if we have this relationship with Jesus correct, if we fully understand that he was self-sacrificing, and if we're also willing to follow him and submit, then that'll overflow into our marriages. That meant you to understand the self-sacrificing love and that you would lead and care for your, your wife and your children in that exact way that you would love in such a way that the, that the wives would be willing to submit and follow and be a helper because they want to, because they see the love of Jesus Christ through you. 
And so the passage then, we get into this idea, like I said, this is all about relationships. And so we move past marriage. And now in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So children, have this relationship. How's your walk with Jesus? If it's, if it's correct, then you're, we're going to pursue following your parents and honoring them and respecting them in such a way. And then Paul turns and he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Like I said, men, you are called to be the spiritual leaders of your home. It doesn't say mothers. It calls out the fathers. Are you setting an example for following Christ? Are we setting an example in our homes of what it looks like to follow Jesus? Many of you are. And that is a fantastic thing. That you are raising your children to follow him. And that you are living out this passage. And I want to encourage us to continue to do so. The passage then goes on and talks about slaves. And some translations have the, the term bondservant. And this isn't like the slavery like you would picture when we hear slavery. This is a bondservant where you're working off a debt that you owe. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor with the, with their eye, when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. For us, this translates into our work environment. That whether you're at a job or at school, wherever you are, that you might be serving someone else, do it so as if serving the Lord. This relationship, it comes back to, this is about our relationship with God, not with our employer, not with our teachers. This is our relationship with God, with Jesus, overflows into how we act as employees. Would our employers be able to see us and say that this is a man of God, that this is a woman of God, that we see this in their integrity, in their work, in their work ethic, in, in what they do, that they see this in a student and say that person is a follower of Jesus Christ and I can tell by the way that they work hard, I can tell by their integrity, I can tell by their honesty in what they turn in. This is what it's saying is that our relationship with Jesus should overflow into our work and our school. Verse 9 says, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Paul is calling us and calling employers to be gentle and kind, forgiving and loving. It all stems from our relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we look at what it looks like in our marriages, as it looks like what it looks like in our relationship with our kids, maybe in our work or in our school, all of it comes back to the same focal point, our walk with Jesus Christ. How is your walk with Jesus? That comes back to this morning. You might have come here hoping that your spouse would, would get something out of this, and, and I want to encourage you, stop looking at their speck of sawdust, but look at our own plank. Because this plank is very real in all of our eyes. There's somewhere in this passage that we could all grow on. That we could all pursue Jesus stronger in our, in our marriage relationship, in our work, in our school. In our relationship with our parents or with our kids. 
It all stems back to our relationship with Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. Every week we take communion for a reason, that that would serve as a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so in a moment, we're about to take communion, and, and I want you to put aside any thoughts of, I wonder if my spouse got and heard this. I wonder if my kids are listening to this message. And look at what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And right now, I believe the Spirit is reminding us of the love of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial love that he is willing to die on the cross for our sins. That the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and reminding us of Jesus' love and passion for each one of us and our need to submit and follow him. And so let this time of communion be a time that we can just reflect on that, be thankful for what Jesus did, and give our lives over to him. Let these next two minutes be a time where it's just you and Jesus. Share with him what you need. Maybe just sit in silence and listen to what he wants to tell you. That you're loved. That you're cared for. That maybe this week is a week that is hitting home and you're seeing all these errors in your ways. And, and that he's saying, nobody's perfect. Let's move forward. Continue. Let's start loving our spouse the way we're supposed to. Let's start leading the way. Let's start submitting the way. Let's start being the employee or the employer that we're called to. Let's start being the student, the parent, the child that we're called to, all based on our relationship with Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, who conquered our sins. If you'll pray with me. God, we just lift up this time of communion, that it be one that we can reflect on what you did. God, that all this... This entire passage is all based on relationships and it all stems from our relationship with you. And God, if that's not right, none of the others will be right either. God, let us pursue having that right with you. And God, let that begin right now. Let us see the sacrifice you made on the cross and you took away our sins. And let us willfully follow you 